Welcome to the Servant Leadership Online Training Summit, 10 Days to Better Relationships and Results, brought to you by Ken Blanchard, Barrett Kohler Publishers, and Conscious Marketer. Learn more at ServantLeadershipSummit.com. I first became a Miles McPherson fan when he played for the San Diego Chargers from 1982 to 85. Then when he began building the Rock Church in 2000, I got to work with him closely. Today he leads a congregation of 15,000 people who attend in person, online, on radio, and TV. If we had more servant leadership churches like The Rock, the world would be a better place. I admire Miles' vision, values, and incredible energy for making a difference in the world, and you will too after watching him. Welcome back to the Servant Leadership Online Training Summit. My name is Amanda Poole Walsh, and I am the president of Conscious Marketer and also one of the co-hosts and, and co-producers of this event. And today I am so thrilled to be introducing you to Pastor Miles McPherson. <laughs> Pastor Miles is going to be talking to us about Do Something Church, the organization that he founded in San Diego. He's going to cover how the vision of that church is pervasive hope and the four simple steps by which that vision is made a reality. He's going to talk to us about the place that the places that people go to treat their pain and how when they go there, that's the place where they need to be met with the overwhelming love and hope. And he's going to talk about how servant leadership is absolutely necessary for effective leadership and maximum influence for change. At the end of the talk, um, Miles is going to talk to us about how we can get some important free gifts from him and then practices that we can implement in our lives today to become more effective servant leaders. But it, the first question that I wanted to ask you, Miles, is why do you feel that servant leadership is so important, particularly in our world today? How you doing? Thanks for having me. You doing good today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much. I want to say hello to everybody out there watching. Uh, you know, Jesus said, I didn't come to, serve, to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom. And uh, as a pastor, my job is to equip the saints and the people in the church for the work of the ministry that they're supposed to go out and serve. Uh, because through servant leadership and through multiplying yourself through servants, uh, you can exponentially grow your impact and leverage so many more people to do uh, the work of the kingdom. Why do you feel like this is particularly important like right now in the current climate of the world why do you feel like this message needs to come out yeah you know the, the the interesting thing about it is that it's the message that christ started with he started with 12 guys and now it's around the world so it's it's never changed i think maybe more today so many people are more selfish because they you know we live in this do for me do it my way type of world with social media and everything catering to our needs when it's the opposite of what Christ did and said, look, I'm not coming to Lord over you. I'm coming to serve you. So it's a, it's a timeless message. It's never changed. Um, and I think it's the only way the gospel is really going to get out uh, to the world and get out in an authentic manner. Mm, okay. Talk to us about the vision of pervasive hope and the four simple steps by which that vision can come forth. Right. So do something church is our outreach philosophy uh, and in any organization, you have your mission, which is your business, if you will, and your vision, which is um, your preferred, a picture of your preferred future. Our mission is what Christ gave us to make disciples. So we call it save, equip, send. We want to get people the gospel, equip them, and send them out. 
our vision is what does it look like if we do our job? Uh, and it looks like pervasive hope that no matter where you go in San Diego, uh, you could just reach out your arm someplace very close and there's hope available to you. Um, I was watching Miss America a long time ago and, and always get clips of it, Miss America, Miss Universe. And they always, there's always one contestant that talks about world peace. Uh, in two words, world peace, which at one time I heard was the vision statement of the US military. I don't know if it still is, but it seemed like a very, very simple two word vision. If we do our job, we will have world peace. If the church does its job, there should be pervasive hope. No matter where you are, if you're in the bar, you're in the, in the alley, uh, you're in a crack house, hope should be so close that you can reach out and get it. You don't have to go on the yellow pages and drive across town. It should be right there. And so that's our vision for our church is to, is to establish pervasive hope here in San Diego. That no matter where you go, no matter what, how you're suffering, there's hope available to you right at your fingertips. And what does that look like? What, what does pervasive hope look like or feel like for people? It depends on their pain. So it looks like, for example, we have women that go to strip clubs and pray with and for the strippers. So it looks like a woman who's stripping and this is a young lady sitting in the audience with a gift bag for her. And the lady on the pole knows that that woman there is praying for her, will go to the hospital with her if she tries to kill herself, which has happened, will go to court with her, uh, which has happened. That's what it looks like. That, that woman doesn't have to go to her phone. She doesn't have to walk down the street to go to church, which they do. They come to our church, but there's someone right there with her. It's a guy in a bar who can't drive himself home. Um, it's a kid hiding under the bed who just got beat who can get on their phone and there's a text message or someplace there for them, uh, information for them to get help. So it's mobilizing the people in our church to go out and to bring hope to the world. And most of the time, it's people bringing hope to an aspect of our society that they once were enslaved and bondage to. Uh, there's a, a ministry we have where these ladies make dolls for kids who get taken out of their homes by the police or the fire department. Their house burns down or their parents are fighting. The police give them this doll. The doll says, Jesus loves you. It's a big doll. And the woman who started that ministry was taken out of her house when she was a kid and the only thing she had was her doll. And so they make dolls. Uh, there's another group of people, they make little hats for uh, kids in the hospital. They knit little hats for kids in the hospital. And there was a guy, um, I was walking down the hallway in our church, and there was this guy, this big white guy, big burly guy, white guy with cut off shirt, cut off shorts, tattoos, backpack, hat on back, with little goatee. And he's walking down the hall and he says, you know, he's nervous. I said, where are you going? He says, well, I'm going to my first ministry meeting. I said, what's the ministry? He says, well, it's the knitting ministry. <laughs> oh, that's so great. So, so I'm like, brother, where did you learn how to knit? He says, well, I don't knit, I crochet. <laughs> I love that. I'm like, you're killing me. So I said, where did you learn how to crochet? He says, I did 12 years in prison. Oh, wow. He was with the Hells Angels, so that's where he learned how to crochet. But God put it on his heart to use his skill to help these kids. Hmm. And so... You never know who's gonna do what, and you never know where you're gonna get the help, but the help, once these people are equipped and, and with how they're wired and what they're gifted to and what their passion is, now we can mobilize them back out into the community to go to, to the place where people are hurting. Mm. So Miles, what do you think, or how does this look in a business setting, for example? 
the, the this this concept of hope and um, you know going out and being that pervasive hope what would you think that would look like in a business setting and or have you experienced businesses who have implemented it yeah that's an interesting question um, a couple of ways I think people need whenever I challenge our church to pray for a job or people who don't have a job. I said, don't ask for a job, ask for a career, something you're passionate about. So I think it first starts with people doing what they're passionate about. And if they're doing what they're passionate about, they're probably gonna do some things in the community or do overtime or, or pro bono work because they just love to do it. Because not everybody can pay for your services, whatever your services are. And there's always people in the community who are in need. And so it looks like lawyers and business people and entrepreneurs who want to go the extra mile for people in the community who are looking for a hand up, who've been had hard in their luck, or their kids, teenagers who don't have the resources to get the training and the contacts to get uh, training and opportunities for, for a better job. So it looks like people saying, what is my passion? What is the group of people in my community that are hurting that I have a passion for? Because we all, don't, we all don't have passions necessarily for everybody. Um, some people have passion for elderly. Some people have passion for homeless, kids, women, men, whatever. But to find out what your passion is and hopefully match that up with what you're doing and see how you can go help. Mm, okay. So obviously everyone would love to be doing what they're passionate about every day. I think most people would agree with that. Why do you think we don't? Why do you think people don't do that? What's, what's the obstacle that's holding people back from that? I don't think people know how God designed them because they're not an accident. They're, they're exquisitely designed, perfectly designed. You just look in the mirror. Uh, you are marvelous, right? <laughs> <laughs> people don't know how to design. They don't know their passion. And a lot of times their emotions, which are very misleading, could put them in a career for decades and they miss their, their calling. And so I think the first thing is to know how you would design and what your gifts are and what God's calling on your life is. It's not, when I say God's calling your life, it doesn't necessarily mean a ministry in a church. Uh, it, it means serving somewhere in the community uh, because God has called and gifted people to teach, right? But some of those people who are gifted to teach aren't teaching. <laughs> and some people who are gifted to manage aren't managing. So first find out what, what you're gifted for and, and how you're gifted. And we have, you know, gifts tests uh, on, on our website, but you, you find what your gifts and, and calling or how has God designed you? I love numbers. Most people I know hate numbers. I love numbers. I love talking, move my hands. A lot of people like sitting at a desk all day. So if you know what you're called to and who you want to help, start there and start poking around and, you know, helping people and see what resonates. But I think that's the first thing is to know who you want to help and how you want to help, what service you want to give to whom, uh, and start there. Mm, I love that. It's such, a, it's such a difference than, you know, where can I make the most money or, uh, you know, where will I have the most status or power? It's like, where can I serve and start from exactly. that place? And how can I use my gifts in that service? Yeah, because the lie is if you have money and status, you're going to be fulfilled. Huh. That's the lie. Yes. You're going to be fulfilled when you use the gifts that you were created to do. That's, the, that's what people have to figure out. And believing that is a very difficult thing for people. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Uh, well, and I think there's this idea that 
maybe I'll be fulfilled, but I'll be poor or I'll be broke. You know, so there's this like, there's a feeling I think that people may have to trade one for the other, which I think also is a lie that keeps us stuck in a place where we're not fulfilled and struggling to make money most of our lives. So, um, and I think those people to help them save some time, they should go talk to 10 people who have a lot of money and ask them one, are you all fulfilled? And number two, um, uh, have you been ever, are you, is the money what's fulfilling you? If they are fulfilled, number one, and if they are, is it the money or is it the purpose that they're serving? Miles, uh, I had, I, am that experience. You know, I was living in New York City, running a successful technology company on paper, had every single thing that everyone works their whole life for, you know, half a million dollars a year, great apartment in Tribeca, just all of it, you know, the, 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 the car, then the house in California, all of it. And I remember walking on the street in New York City with my brother. And of course, we, we also knew a lot of wealthy people because that was the circle we were in. And I remember just you were crossing the street and on the cobblestone streets in Tribeca. And I, and I said, Patrick, do you know anyone who's like really, really happy? Like anyone. And we both literally for, I think it was at least five minutes were in silence. Hmm. And he looked at me and said, I don't. And I was like, me neither. And in that moment, it was like, there is something wrong with this equation. There's something wrong. And I mean, for me, that was an impetus to leave it all and start all over in Hawaii and blah, blah. But it's just that, you know, we, we, do, we do chase this, this promise that is actually not true in many cases. And what you're, what you're saying, the missing element is the using the gifts that we've been given by God. And that is where we'll have the fulfillment. Yeah, using the gifts you were given by God, having a right relationship with God. Uh, discovering your purpose on this earth in the context of that relationship. Uh, because, you know, it's, it's like making a table and using it as a chair. It's never going to work. No matter how hard you try, it's not going to work. And if God made you something to be, to be used in the context of a relationship with him, if, you, if you're not doing that, you're never going to be fulfilled. Mm. Okay. Awesome. All right. So tell us why you think servant leadership is absolutely necessary for effective leadership and maximum influence for change. Yeah. Well, servant leadership, one helps you maximize your reach because you leverage your talent, your vision through other people who, by the way, have the same vision that you have and want to implement it and be part of something bigger. Uh, there's also something very powerful about being humble and lifting other people up and encouraging other people. Uh, as my role model, Jesus laid his life down for me. He said, now I want you to go do this for your brother. And so it, it, when you start lording your authority over people, it drives people away and it kills people versus speaking life into people and encouraging people and giving them opportunity uh, to live the life they were created to live that okay speaking life into people how do you see that like what what is that I, I i want you to just uh illustrate that a little bit more what does it look like to speak life into people how can people do that today to look for 
something positive in someone and affirm that to look for um, God's design in someone and affirm that and encourage that and to look for discouragement and give encouragement to look for someone who has no vision and cast vision on their life. So often we spend so much time tearing people down and looking for reasons to up them one and, uh, you know, point out negative and talk about them versus saying, how can I encourage this person, put a smile in their face, put a smile in their heart. Um, so that's what, and that's a mindset. You have to have that mindset going into every relationship and every encounter, you know, meeting people with a smile, uh, meeting people gracious, uh, being forgiving for people if they say or do the wrong thing and just, hey, it's okay, let's move on. And so it's, it's being a source of life to people. Beautiful. Okay. I love that. All right. Is there anything else that you wanted to leave the audience with today before we go into your gift and your practice? Um, yeah, I think the four steps of a do something church um, is count, walk, ask, love. And this is so important for a church or any organization wanting to help their community. Count is actually taking a numerical assessment of the pain in your community. You can actually count and measure the strip clubs, the homeless people, the, the convalescent homes, the juvenile detention centers, the jails. You can measure how many people are in those facilities. You can measure how many male, female, young, old, middle age, And then, so it's count, walk, and then you go to them. So many churches specifically invite people to the church, which is fine, but we need to send people walking to the establishment. That's why we have women in the strip club, in the bar, in the convalescent home, in the jail, go to them count, walk, ask, how can I help you? Instead of telling people what they need to do, tell them what's wrong with them, say, how can I serve you? You know, what is your need? And then love, you respond in love. You don't respond by doing what they say because someone may say, hey, can you buy me drugs? <laughs> no, I'm gonna buy you a meal. So it's count, walk, ask, love. That's something that we um, implement in our church. That's our do something church philosophy. Um, and that's something people can do on their, on their individual basis is a count, walk, ask, love. I spend a lot of time in the community and ride along with the police, the fire department, going to prisons, walking the street, just being out there myself, staying in touch with the pain in the community, talking to people, loving on people. Wow. That's potent. I, I have this walk that I do on Maui and there, uh, there was a whole entire homeless, like, camp that was being set up. I mean, it wasn't legal, you know, they were just putting up tents and, and, uh, you know, I would walk by every day and, and as a female, there, there, there was a lot of drugs and, and alcohol and things happening. I would feel scared, you know, it, 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 for me to think about what you just said and, and think of actually doing that. It's like, wow. I mean, can I, I can imagine how powerful it would have been for me and for them, and yet there was fear for my safety in doing that. So, how do you address that? You know, how to how to? Well, one, you don't go where you'll be fearful. Okay. <laughs> I mean, if it definitely, if I win, they're not going to do anything to me. Right. Um, but you could also go with someone. Um, you have to be. You have to be sure again. What is how has God designed you? What has He called you to do? If He's called you to do that, you'll be safe. And whatever happens, he'll get you through. But um, 
I think it, it all goes back to your design, your calling, your purpose, and then you follow that. But I've been, you know, all kinds of situations. I've been in situations where were kind of scary as well. But you, you do it, and then you find out it's the, it's the most exhilarating experience ever. Wow, I can imagine. All right, it sounds like a, a very good challenge for all of us. Um, okay, so I want to next talk about your gift. And just before I do that, wanted to remind everybody that right now you can get the Servant Leadership Online Training Kit for only $297. After the event, it's gonna be $497. So if you wanna own the talks, the, the videos, the audios, the transcripts, and all the bonus gifts, and refer back to them over and over, and keep yourself immersed in the servant leadership topic so that you can embody it more in your life, in your work, with your families, with your communities, with your church. Um, you can do so now at a $200 discount. So if you're interested, now is definitely the time. Okay, Miles, so tell us a little bit about your six-part video series, which is the free gift that you're offering to all of us, which is called Wired for Love. <laughs> yeah. You know, I would say 99% of the songs we sing are about love and relationships. Wouldn't you agree? <laughs> yes, definitely. So, you know, someone once asked me um, why God made people. God made people for relationships. And not only with each other, but, but with him. And our relationship and ability to have a relationship with someone on earth, uh, especially intimate relationship, mirrors, and there's a lot of components that are compatible with our spiritual relationship with God. This series called Wire for Love talks about how, uh, what's the right way and the wrong way <laughs> to have intimate relationships and that we're actually wired neurologically uh, designed to neurologically be united with, with another person through intimacy. So it talks about all the biblical guidelines of relationships and the spiritual implications and the spiritual parallels between our relationship with each other and our relationship with God. Wow, that sounds fascinating. <laughs> I think everybody's going to love that. Okay, great. Um, can you share with us a practice that we could use today to start embodying some some of these principles of servant leadership that we talked about sure for all of you who go to starbucks or um coffee shop which most people do next time you go and you're going to buy something i want you to pay for it and then i want you to ask the person how can you pray for them how can you bless them is there anything they need and and the reason is is it's a count walk ass love and so you've counted, you've figured out where the Starbucks is, you walk there, and then you're going to ask how you can help. And I think if we have this posture of how can I serve you? How can I be a blessing to you? Or we have a mentality when I meet people, how can I be an encouragement to them without asking them that? Just notice what they say, what they talk about, their, their posture, their body language. If we have that mentality as to become servants, uh, it's contagious. Um, so that, that, was, that would be my encouragement and challenge to all the people listening is to, is to walk around as a servant with an eye to serve someone else. Mm. I can just imagine now uh, all of these people tuned in just going to Starbucks and there's just this ripple effect of service. And I can imagine also how taken aback the receiver would be from that. And that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. All these all of us out there in the world. And Starbucks needs to send me a coupon for that plug. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. 
Okay, well, Miles, thank you so, so much for sharing with us today. It's been such a pleasure to have you on. And on behalf of the Servant Leadership Online Training Summit team, I want to thank you, Miles, and I want to thank all of you for tuning in and for making Servant Leadership a part of your life and a part of your business. We'll catch you on the next session. God bless you. Thank you for attending the Servant Leadership Online Training Summit. To own the Servant Leadership Training Kit, including 40 videos, full transcripts, and over 35 speaker bonuses at a 40% discount, click the upgrade button now. This special offer is limited and available only during the summit, so act now. Thank you.